We are towards the bottom of Memches Amabez 48b. As the Gemara continues the discussion of our Mishnah, the unique type of a chuppah. Uh, in general, as we've discussed in last week's class, the, uh, the, the way we define a chuppah, which is the second part of the marriage process, first is the Kiddushin, and then there's the Nisuin, and the chuppah is generally defined as, it's hard to define it, there, there is no uh, clear definition as opposed to Kiddushin, which the Mishnah discusses explicitly by a chuppah, it is not addressed ex- explicitly, uh, but and so therefore there are different opinions, but uh, all of those opinions uh, are some sort of uh, form of symbolizing the fact that they are now able to live together. So whether that's yichud, being secluded with each other, or a chuppah, an actual chuppah, a canopy, or whether it's the badekin, according to some opinions, it's the badekin, it's when the chasen, the groom, uh, puts the veil over her head, uh, over the kala's head. Um, and these are all different opinions as to how to define what exactly is a chuppah, what, what exactly a chuppah is. Uh, our Mishnah now has a very unique situation, a unique case of a chuppah, um, where it, the, the Mishnah describes it as now she belongs to Rishus Habaal, the, uh, domain, the jurisdiction of her husband instead of her father. Um, and that's a situation where, uh, the husband, the father, uh, gives over his daughter Again, we're talking about a girl who's under the, <coughs> under the age of 12 and a half um, and gives his daughter to the messengers of the husband or to the husband himself. And as we've seen in uh, the last class, there's a machlokas, there's an argument in the Gemara uh, as to how far of a chuppah this is because this, they're not really, it doesn't really represent them living together or under the same roof. Uh, she could be given over to the messengers of the husband without even seeing the husband. Um, and there's an argument about this, Rav and Shmuel, an argument between Rav and Shmuel as to, according to Rav, it's basically uh, a complete marriage. According to Shmuel, it's, it's seemingly it's uh, the op- in the opposite direction. It's, uh, it's hardly a marriage. Um, but that that is an argument in the Gemara as to exactly how far do we take this marriage. Now, it's important to point out that the Achronim, the later commentators, struggle with how exactly is this a chuppah? And so, there are some opinions who explain that this is really limited only to a katana. This is only limited to a girl who's under the age of 12, where she's basically being married by her father. This is not uh, out of her own initiative, uh, but this is the father. And as we pointed out in the past, that the Torah gives the father the right to, to do this because it allows her to have uh, security that... Um, there were in certain societies uh, and certain times in history, uh, people got married at a very young age, uh, at 14, 15 years old. And so to make sure that uh, this girl has somebody who uh, she'll be married to and uh, there's a certain level of security there. So the Torah allowed the father to do this, not out of cruelty and not out of um, – uh, not out of uh, – uh, of cruelty and uh, and something which is which is terrible, uh, which today is the norm within within today, and therefore the rabbis highly um, are highly critical of this today. But in, in societies where it was the norm, so then the Torah allowed uh, the father the father to do this. Okay, so there are those that limit this to to specifically to a case of a katana of a girl who's under the age of twelve or a nara under the tw- age of twelve and a half. Um, and there are other opinions also amongst the later commentators, amongst the Achronim, 
uh, in which they, they limit the uh, application of this form of a chuppah. The Gemara now discusses, well, what happens, we mentioned that if there's a girl who's between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, um, and she gets married, and, uh, sorry, if she's, she's, halach, she's halachically engaged, uh, she's between the time of Kiddushin and Yisuin, from the engagement point till this form of a chuppah, and she commits adultery. So we, we, we've had many discussions about this where the punishment is different than regular adultery. This punishment is skila. It's stoning, as opposed to the regular punishment for adultery, which is uh, a lower level of the death penalty, which is chenek, which is strangulation, which, um, again, for both of them, you need witnesses, you need warning, and it hardly ever happened. Uh, but there are differences in terms of the death penalty. So the Gemara wants to know, what about our case? What about our case where we have a Nara Maras, a girl who's between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, and she is engaged, and then the father gives her over to the messengers of the husband. Now, with regards to now this marriage, has she entered into the stage of marriage to now determine that she has a different death penalty? It's no longer skila, it's no longer stoning, but it is a chenek. So the Gemara says, yeah, Tana, it's taught in a b'risa, Masar av l'shlucha if the father gives her over to the messengers of the husband and then she commits adultery before she uh, meets her husband, before she has a, a real chuppah, uh, so then uh, it changes, it still changes, and she no longer receives skila. It's viewed as a marriage with regards to this. She's no longer halachically engaged. She's, it's a full marriage with regards to this, and she is she receives chenek. Uh, she doesn't receive stoning. How do we know this? Barachama Amarkra, based on the Pasuk, it says, Liznos Betavia, Pratlish Shemasar Avlishli Chabal. In the context of this unique halacha, this unique law of a girl who is a Nara between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half and commits adultery, where it's a different punishment, the Pasuk, the verse says, where she commits adultery, Bevesavia, in her father's home, it's no longer her father's home. Once she, the father gave her over to messengers of, of the husband, it's no longer the father's home. Sigmar says, wait a minute. How do we know that it's coming to exclude that case? Specifically a case where uh, she commits adultery in her father's house, but not another case. How do we know that not that other case is talking about where the father gave her over to the messengers of the husband? Maybe we're talking about a case where it's coming to exclude a case where uh, she had a chuppah. It's not a case where she didn't have any chuppah. No, it's where she had a chuppah, but they never had sexual relations. Before they have sexual relations, she commits adultery. Maybe that's the case that the Torah is telling us that she gets chenek, that it's, it's, she had a chuppah. So then she had a chuppah, she's no longer halakhically engaged, she doesn't receive stoning, she receives chenek, uh, strangulation. How do we, uh, maybe that's what the Torah is telling us, but in, really in a case where the father just gives her over to the messengers of the husband, that maybe she would still receive skila, because that wasn't a full-fledged chuppah. So the says, no, we already know uh, the, the, the case of where she has a chuppah, we already know that from a different verse, that, that she doesn't receive skila. It's explicit. The verse says, The Pasuk says, What are the conditions where she would receive skila, stoning? Uh, it's very specific. She has to be a Nara between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. She has to be a Basula, a virgin, and she has to be engaged. Nara Nara, twelve and a half between 12 and 12 and a half, and not above 12 and a half. Basula Vlobula, she has to be a virgin as opposed to a non-virgin. Moraz Vlonisua, she has to be engaged and not married. What does it mean married? If we're talking about actually married, what's the case of actually married? Actual marriage. The model, which is a very important Gemara, the model of actual marriage is where they have bia, is where they have sexual relations, where she's no longer a virgin. That's the model um, for Nesua. 
for marriage. So we can't be talking about that case a lot because that that that's already uh, excluded in in the in the other condition of being a basula, being a virgin as opposed to a non-virgin. So what does it mean that she's engaged as opposed to married? It means as opposed to having a chuppah without having sexual relations yet with her husband. That she went and she commits adultery, that she, she doesn't receive skila, she receives chenek. So we already have that verse. So there's one verse that tells us that it says, that she has to be engaged as opposed to married. That's coming to exclude a case where she had a chuppah. Even though she didn't have sexual relations with her husband, she had a chuppah. Let's say she had a canopy, uh, uh, or, or the other definitions of chuppah, uh, but she never had sexual relations, and then she goes and she commits adultery, um, God forbid, and then and then uh, we say that the punishment is no longer skila. So we already have that verse. So what's the verse of Lizno's space of yeah? The other verse of Lizno's space of yeah that's coming to tell you that not only in that case, but even in a case where the father just gives her over to the messengers of the husband, that case also uh, so removes her from the status of halakhically engaged, and she would receive. Um, she would receive chenek as opposed to skila. She wouldn't receive. She would not receive uh, stoning. Okay, so that's that's the end of that gemara. That, that's the end of that gemara, at least according to Rashi, classic commentator Rashi. Basically, the, in terms of how, what point in time does she leave the status of being halakhically engaged in the situation where she's a girl between the ages of twelve and twelve and a half and committing adultery would lead to uh, skila. That applies both in a case where she had a chuppah, but she never had sexual relations with her husband yet. In that case, if she commits adultery before she has sexual relations with her husband, she still doesn't receive skila, she doesn't receive stoning. But not only in that case, but also in a case where the father just gives her over to the messengers of the husband, where that's even less of a full marriage. Even in that case, she would not receive skila. It's not, she's not viewed as engaged with regards to that law. So that's the end of that gemara. The Gemara now, moving on to Mem Tesem and Aleph, 49a, the Gemara says, asks the following general question according to Rashi. Very fascinating question. We have the following case. We have the case where, our Mishnah's case, the father gives her his daughter, who's under the age of 12 and a half, to the messengers of the husband. Okay, and so we pointed out, and we mentioned that it's viewed as a, as a marriage. Uh, definitely according to Rav, it's viewed as a basically a full-fledged marriage. Um... All the law, all the different obligations kick in, and not only that, we just saw that uh, she wouldn't receive skila. She's no longer engaged to receive skila stoning, full fledged marriage. But what happens if this is the Gemara's question? If before she meets her husband, she's with the messengers of the husband. But before she meets her husband, she returns. She escapes. She does, she's not interested. She's not interested. She returns back to her father's home. So what happens now? Do we view it as though everything that occurred is null and void, as if it didn't happen? Meaning, do we still need that end of the process where she actually meets her husband in order to view this whole context as a marriage? Or do we say that no, just the very fact that she's given over to the messenger of the husband, that suffices. She's viewed as fully married. And the fact that she runs away, runs back to her father's house, that would not uh, impact anything. In the end of the day, what's done is done. What do we say about this case? What's the ramifications? What are the ramifications? So we'll present two. Number one is, is she still viewed as engaged? We can't say that she left the status of being engaged. In order to, for that to happen, she has to have, either the husband has to die or she, they have to get divorced. So she's either engaged or fully married. Those are the two options. Or we, we presented uh, a third option in the last class of being an in-between stage. But either way, she has some relationship, halachic relationship with this, with this guy. So if she runs away, she's either engaged or she's still fully married. The fact that she ran, ran back to her father's house doesn't, may not impact anything. So, with regards to which laws would this be impacted by? So, number one, um, 
should, should she, if she commits adultery now, does she receive skila? If she's engaged and she's between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, she should still receive skila. Uh, if she's still engaged, if she's married, so then she doesn't receive skila, uh, stoning. That's number one. Number two is, does the husband have the right to annul her vows um, alone? If she's fully married, so then the husband has the right to annul her vows. If she ran away and she's not viewed as fully married, so then the husband cannot annul her vows. So what's the law? What's the law? So, Amarava Hokvar Paska Tana de Bevishmal. Rava says, Tana de Bevishmal, the study halls of Rishmal already dealt with this issue. The Tana de Bevishmal, Venadari, Almana Vagrusha Kalashar Asra Al Nashriya Kamaleha. The Pasuk the verse tells us that if there is a woman who is, was divorced or is a widow, she's no longer married. So, if she takes a vow, so then nobody could annul her vow. In general, if she's married, her husband could annul her vow. Her husband can't annul her vow anymore. The Gemara says, isn't that obvious? Matam Lomar. Why do we need a verse for that? Why do we need a pasuk? She's not under the jurisdiction of her father. She's not under the jurisdiction of her husband. Um, so why do I need a verse to tell me that if she takes a vow that nobody could annul it? Obviously. Who would annul it? So Ella, rather, the case is where so what's the case of the Torah where she's a widow or divorced it means our case our case where the husband gave her over to the messengers of the husband and while she's with the messengers of the husband they either get divorced or the husband dies basically she never met the husband and it's the end of that relationship right so do we say that she reverts back to her father, that she's that she's back with her father, that if she didn't reach her husband, so then she returns back to the domain of her of her father. Or do you say that no? It's like any other case of, of widow or divorced where she's now her own. She's her own person, uh, and and she she's under her own jurisdiction. So the Gemara tells us that she. This is the point of the pasuk. The point of the verse is to tell you that she cannot go back to her father's house halachically. From a halachic perspective, she does not go back. And therefore, if she takes a vow, an oath, so then it's it's on her. And nobody, the father cannot annul it. Uh, and so this proves to us, this, in the end of the day, this proves to us that once she's given over to the messengers of her husband, she cannot leave that status. She's with the husband. Not, not actually with the husband, but halachically with the husband. And even if she never meets the husband, even if she runs back to her father's home, it doesn't make a difference. She's not. She cannot go back to that status of being under the jurisdiction of her father. It doesn't work. Whether that's because she runs back, leaves the messengers. Whether that's because they get divorced. Whether that's because the husband dies. It doesn't make a difference. Whatever the case is, she does not go back to her father's home because we view it as though she's really part and connected to her husband, even though she never met her husband. Uh, she's she's fully married with her husband. And so therefore also with regards to the law of skila, if she runs away, she doesn't get skila if she commits adultery uh, because in the end of the day, she's fully married. Once you're fully married, it, there's no unique law about skila. Uh, so it is a very uh, important and interesting Gemara that once once it's done, it's done and there's no way there's no way of going back. It's like any other marriage. If it's a full marriage uh, where there's a chuppah, so then she can't revert back and uh, return to her father's home from a halachic perspective. Uh, doesn't work. So, so to over here, when the father gives her over to the messengers of the husband, it's a full marriage, and she cannot uh, she cannot go back. Okay, the Gemara now says, "Amar of Papa." Her Papa now revert, uh, 
is returning back to, to the discussion that we had on Memchesim Beis, on 48b, that we just had that um, once she's given over to the messengers, so then uh, she does not receive skila if she commits adultery. We have the following Mishnah, says Rav Papa. The Mishnah tells us in order to be a Na'arahamarasa, a girl who's between the age of 12 and 12 and have engaged, where she would receive skila, it has to happen where she commits adultery in the house of her father. I understand that she has to be between the age of 12 and 12 and a half. Basula Vlobula, a virgin. She has to be a virgin. Marasa she has to be engaged. What's the idea that has to happen in her father's home? It means to the exclusion of what happens if she's already given over to the messenger of the husband. If she's in her father's home, fine. Then the laws of Skila kick in. She receives stoning. But if she's given over to the messengers, at that point in time, no more stoning. And so we have a Mishnah, also a Mishnah, in, to support this idea. And a few more lines till the next Mishnah. We also have another Mishnah that proves this idea. The Misha says that if she commits adultery, once she enters into the domain of her husband, so then for marriage, so then even if they never had sexual relations, she receives chenek. She does not receive skila, stoning, she receives chenek, uh, strangulation. Um, and it just says it as anytime she, she enters into the domain of her husband. That includes all scenarios where she enters into the domain of her husband, including where uh, she is given over to the messengers of the husband. So th- all of this comes to prove that this is basically, according to these opinions, these are all basically a full marriage once she's given over to the messengers, and therefore she does not receive skila, she's not viewed as halakhically engaged. Okay, that's the end of the Gemara. We are up to the Mishnah. We'll begin uh, the, ne- the next class with uh, the next Mishnah. But this is very important. These are very important gemaras in terms of this other form of a marriage, not such a romantic rom- marriage, but another form of a marriage. And again, uh, the commentators discuss and they try to figure out how much of a limitation is there with regards to these types of marriages. Is it really a full marriage? Maybe it's only limited to a girl under the age of 12 and a half. Maybe also it only impacts certain aspects of the marriage. Maybe there's different aspects of the marriage. That is uh, discussed. We don't have time to discuss it right now, but th- th- these are issues which are discussed by the uh, by the Achronim, by the later commentators.